Hello, hello, hello. What's up, guys? So, yes, as you have heard probably three or four times before, my name is Jace. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself first, so I'm not just some stranger sitting up here. Um, first, here's a picture of my beautiful family. So this is us right before we were trying to decide who's going to clean the kitchen. It was a, it's a big debate in our house. Um, it's a lot of fun. I have an older sister named Tirza, a younger sister named Lexi, who's actually in the room, um, a younger brother named Zane, and two lovely parents named Cami and Jeff. Um, other things I do, I am currently a lifeguard, which means, yeah, go lifeguards. Um, I'm really good at sitting in a chair and telling kids to stop running. It's pretty much the entire job. Um, another thing you should know about me is that I am a firm believer in the scientific method. And I've used this to actually um, settle an age-old debate. The debate being Parks and Rec versus The Office. I know, I know. So what I did is I set up an experiment. I got a group of people named me, myself, and I. I put them on a couch, and um, for, at first I played an episode of Parks and Rec. And I talked to them after, and it was, it was crazy. They all happened to have the exact same thing to say about all of it. They said, you know, it was so funny. It was engaging. You know, they loved the characters. And then I repeated the experiment and played an episode of The Office. And, you know, they, the jokes were really witty and good, but, you know, the secondhand embarrassment, all three of them felt was just so much they couldn't, couldn't bear to watch it. So I can say science has proven that Parks and Rec is better than The Office. Let's go. So now that I have thoroughly split the audience, um, let's get started. Um, when the theme was announced as Surrounded, I was so excited. It was announced pre-quarantine, but I think God had a plan in that because, um, you know, quarantine has made it so much more real. And when the theme was, and then when the passage was announced as Daniel, I was even more excited because this whole idea of Daniel has always seemed so relatable, the stories they tell. And so this week, it was launched off by Landon, who talked about, you know, what is the world we live in? We're surrounded by Babylon, and sin and brokenness surround us continually. And then the next day, Avery took us through, you know, this, this brokenness, it's not just surrounding us, but it's within us. It's an inner problem. And then yesterday, Melanie, she took us through what it is like to live for God, and what it is like to have your faith tested as, you're thrown, as Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And today I'm going to cap us off talking about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and the fiery furnace. So before we get started, let's pray. Um, dear Lord, I just um, pray for everyone who's here, um, whether in the building or online. Lord, you put them here for a reason to hear this talk and to be at rush for a reason. Lord, I pray that it can leave an impact, that we won't leave here the same way we entered. In Jesus' name, amen. So the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is, is, is kind of a popular one. It's been told for a really long time, and I've heard a lot of sermons on it. Um, so I'm, I'll take you kind of through the story. So there's this King Nebuchadnezzar. Avery mentioned him a little bit more on Tuesday, and he was the head of Babylonian Empire. And he had this massive kingdom, and so this story begins, he's a pagan. He, he believes in many gods, and so um, being the massive empire and conqueror that he was, he set up a massive golden idol, and he said that when a ton of instruments play, everyone in the kingdom needs to sit and bow to this idol. And also within his kingdom were a group of three men named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the protagonists of this story. And they hear this decree that they need to bow to the idol, and they say, you know, 
we're not going to do it. And so some of the king's advisors, they come and they say, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't do it. They didn't bow. And so the king, it says he was furious, and he called them into his chambers, um, probably the throne room. And so they walk in, the king's standing there, and he, he gives them an out. He says, I hear that you didn't do this, but being the merciful king that I am, I'm going to give you a second chance. The instruments are going to play, and you have a chance to bow, and all, all will be forgiven. See, for him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't just three peasants from Judah. Everywhere he went, he would take the best and brightest of the youth to join his kingdom and to act as um, a symbol that I can take the strongest you have. And so these men, they were in a position of power in the Babylonian Empire. They were said to be over the province of Babylon. So when they didn't bow, they were disrespecting his authority, saying, you took us from our land, but we're not going to bow to your idol. And so he, he, he calms himself, he gathers his composure, he gives this call like, I'll forgive you. And then he ends it with this saying of, and who could save you? Because the punishment was being burnt alive. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they respond by saying, in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the images of gold that you have set up. And so it says that Nebuchadnezzar, he was furious. He was filled with rage. He immediately orders that the strongest guards in the kingdom come grab Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, drag them away, bind their hands, that the furnace be heated seven times its usual. And then he gets in his perch to watch as they're dragged and thrown into the fire. A fire so hot it burned the guards to death who threw them in. And then it says he asks his advisors, we threw in three men, right? And they say, oh, yes, king, yes, you threw in three men. And he says, how come there's four in the fire? And one of them, he's glowing. And so he yells out, he calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They come out. And it's this whole story of, oh, my gosh, God, he, he, he split the heavens. He came down and joined them in the fire. And I've heard this story a lot, and I think I've read it and seen it from the same perspective. as These three men that really, like, they stand it and they stick it to the king. I'm, I'm not going to listen to you. And then this year happened, and March hit. And I was quarantined, and I was isolated, and I read it again, and three different things kind of stood out to me. The first thing that really stood out to me was this whole idea that it's okay to be scared. See, I think they're painted as being um, strong and um, filled with bravery, but that, it doesn't actually say that. In the Bible, it often says, like, oh, God emboldened them, or they were filled with strength. But it doesn't say that in this passage. It doesn't talk about their emotion at all. The only emotion it mentions the entire story is the anger and fury that King Nebuchadnezzar felt. So we know that it's not talking about their emotions. So we, we, most people have assumed that they were strong, but I think they were terrified. Let's take, that, take you through that story one more time from the perspective of Meshach. You, you've grown up in Babylon, spent the last few years here, and you hear a decree that the king, he's going to set up a golden idol, and you need to bow to it. And you, you, you have faith in the real gods. So you say, I'm not going to do that. And you get with your buddies, and you discuss, like, we need to stand together for this. 
And then someone snitches on you, and you're called into the king's throne room, probably escorted by guards. You walk in, and you're, you're, you're surrounded. His advisors are around you. All people who believe and bow to the idol. And the king, probably on a magnificent throne, directly in front of you, and he, and he gives you an out. He says, here, here, here's this opportunity for you to be saved. Who can save you? And I imagine Meshach, you know, I imagine he responded, saying, you know, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, oh, King, we, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. You know, if, if we are thrown into a blazing furnace, your God, we serve as able to deliver us, and he, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But, 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 but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we won't, we won't serve your gods. And so, I think he was quaking. I think he was terrified. This is, to him, the most important person in the world at the time. And he had to stand up to him and say, I'm not going to listen to you. The God I believe in is strong enough to save me. And I think there's a lot of truth in that because I, I know, at least personally, I've, I've experienced a lot of fears as it relates to being a Christian. This fear of... Um, Am I going to say the right thing? I really felt this a lot when I went to South Africa a few years ago on a mission trip to um, visit God First City Church. Um, shout out to God First if you guys are watching. Um, and we were taken into these really poor communities. And in these communities, we were asked to share the gospel. And I found myself nodded with anxiety and nervousness. I was, I was scared. I was like, I don't know the right things to say. I don't know the right Bible verses. What if, what if I mess up? And we got this opportunity to go in and just share the gospel. And it was so beautiful and it was so sweet. And I walked away being like, man, God is good. And I know he's good because I came in a wreck. I didn't know what to say. And God showed up and he spoke through me. So I couldn't take any of the credit for myself. I could only point to him because I couldn't have done it in my own strength. And so it's okay for us to be scared because when we are weak, that is when God is strong. So when he calls you to do something hard, know that it's okay to be scared. Follow through. He'll provide. The second thing I noticed was that we were not meant to walk alone. You see, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are always mentioned in that trio. And I'm going to relate it a little bit to how I think a lot of us have felt this year. March happened. We were all quarantined. I know personally it really screwed up my sleep schedule hurt my GPA. I, I probably quintupled the number of hours I had in Modern Warfare. Um, I know it was a lot of things and ways in which it affected me, but I can say that the part that hurt the most was always, I felt isolated from my community. Because my phone wasn't ringing, it wasn't getting a lot of texts. I had seen these people so often, and yet, when I didn't have to see them, they, they weren't reaching out to me. It's probably my problem. They probably don't love me. They probably don't want to be with me. And I found myself digging myself into this, oh my gosh, I feel so lonely. I feel so much in pain. And I think that's when temptation really started creeping in. I, I started feeling angry, and I would lash out at my parents for doing nothing wrong. I found myself filled with lust, looking at porn, and turning to things that are just Awful, and it's so easy to fall into when you feel lonely. And I looked at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they're mentioned together as withholding from temptation. 
And I know a lot of us, when I first read it, you're like, oh, how is that tempting? You're talking about bowing to an idol, a golden idol. If there's anything that would be easy to stand up to, like, as Christians, where would you draw the line? Like, that seems like pretty at the beginning, like, bowing to idols is very wrong. How could you rationalize that? But I think it, it, it's, it's really easy to rationalize it because we rationalize the sins we do today with the exact same things. We say, oh, it's, it's just this one time. It doesn't mean anything. You know, it's just a piece of metal. It's just, it's just how other people view me. Or my, my personal favorite, oh God, he's put me in this amazing position. And it's worth making this one compromise to be able to minister to the people around me. And we rationalize the sins we do today a lot the same way. But I think it was because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were together, they were united, they were able to stand as one. And that's how they were able to stand up to the king, stop themselves from being tempted. And I think when I say that, there's a part of me that hurts inside. Because when we're talking about this whole idea of community, how can we join as believers stand together against temptation, call each other to be better. You know, this past year has been an adventure for me. I had a lot of friends who had graduated last year. And so this past year has been a lot of me trying to both work and do all of my responsibilities, but also like make new friends. And so I found myself being lonely all year because I would go to um, Sunday night youth group and I'd go to Wednesday wet wash is what we call it here. And I'd see these people several times a week, and yet I would see on Instagram they would be hanging out and I was never invited. And so I'd feel this sense of rejection. And so I think community, one of the big aspects of it is the ability, if you have it, share it. It won't cost you that much to bring someone into your community to share them and to work together as believers because you can be a believer and feel totally alone. There's people who will go to youth group and go to church every week and they're following God, but they'll stop coming because they don't feel like they fit in. So I think we have an amazing opportunity as us seniors, we're going away. For everyone else in the audience, like you have an amazing opportunity to stand up, invite your friends, build communities that are accepting, that won't judge, that will pull people in and say, you know, you believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, and that's all that matters. And the third and final thing that I really got from this passage, this story of three men, I didn't get it in March. I didn't get it until probably a month ago, maybe even just a few weeks. Because when I read it in March, it hurt me. Because I read this story of these three men who God showed up. And I read the Bible, and he, he was there with Daniel in the lion's den. He showed up in the Old Testament time and time again. He showed up in the New Testament by doing miracles. And I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying that I would just stop being sad. That I would feel loved by my community. And it feels like sometimes it's a one-way conversation where, you know, God isn't, he isn't answering. And I think it hurt a lot at first. But about a month ago, God was like, what do you think Shadok, Meshach, and Abednego thought? I'll take you back to being Meshach as we're being dragged away from the king. He's furious. You know that there's a furnace that awaits you. You're about to be burnt to death probably if God doesn't show up. What are you thinking as you're being dragged away? As your hands and feet are being bound, you can't even move anymore. 
Or you think they were crying out, God, are you going to show up? Where are you? God, God are, you, are you hearing me? Are you going to do something? Because you haven't. As the, as the fire, as they can feel the heat on their neck, Lord, are you going to come? Are you going to show up? Lord, I believe, I believe, I believe, but, but where are you? And then they were thrown in, and all of a sudden, God showed up in a miraculous way. You know, he'll let you make it to the fire often. He's not going to save us from the fire, and, and that's part where we can never understand why he chooses to do the things the way he did. But walking away, do you think they had any doubt in him ever again? I mean, they, they, they saw him. They were with him. They had community with him. And I think as, as we're faced with the world we live in today, where we pray and we pray, God, take this depression from me. Take this anxiety. Give me a community. Lord, Lord, we cry out, and we feel like he's abandoned us. We feel like our hands and feet are getting bound, like we're being dragged away, like our death is impending, but God is with us. He didn't abandon them, and he's not going to abandon you. And do you know the way I know that he doesn't, is not going to abandon you? It's because I was slapped upside the face with the truth that if you, don't, if you think that he's abandoned you now, you don't really understand this whole idea of Jesus. Because if you believe that God came down as a person, that he died on the cross for you because he loves you, that he suffered hell for you out of love, do you think he would abandon you in your depression and your anxiety and your family problems? He wouldn't. He'll, he'll never abandon you. So, I don't know what you came into rush with. I don't know what you're going to leave rush with next week. I would place a bet that, you know, you're going to struggle. Temptation will come again, like it has after every rush conference you've ever been to in the past, after every retreat, after every spiritual high. The temptation will come. So the question comes, what are you going to do? How are you going to help fight this temptation? How are you going to try and be strengthened, withhold from the temptation that you fall into time and time again, that you beat yourself up over because you keep falling? Are you going to look for a community that will lift you up? Are you going to pray that God could provide a community if you feel like you've been rejected by everyone else? If you're someone in the room who has a community who's like, man, my community loves Jesus and it's a blessing, invite people in. Make them feel loved. I promise there's people you encounter every day who feel alone. Or maybe you're like I was in March. It takes all of your effort to rise out of bed. You feel lost. You feel, you feel struggling. You feel like you're bound, like the fire is going to consume you. Run to Jesus. Be reminded of the truth that he, he didn't abandon Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he would never abandon you. He loves you way too much to ever do that. He sent his son to die for you. He's not going to abandon you in whatever you're struggling with now. Let's pray. Dear Lord, um, I thank you for everyone you've put in here. Lord, I, I pray that as we go out into our lives, as the nerves and the fear and the anxiety start to creep in of following your plan, whether it be to talk to that friend who you know needs you or to invite 
Lord, I pray that um, you could just remind them of the truth, that it's okay to be nervous, but Lord, you're with them. Lord, I pray that for all those people who have a community, that they could be your hands and feet and truly invite people, make people feel loved. And Lord, I pray for all of those who are overwhelmed in the room with their circumstances, Lord. I just pray that, remind them who you are. Remind them that they're loved. Amen.